have you here today as we continue just praising Jesus through song and lifting our voices, adoring him, knowing that he is here with us today. And if there is any pain going on in your heart or any chains that are holding you back, allow God to become your chain breaker. Same old road for miles and miles 
the same old lies If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside Well, there's a better life There's a better life If you got pain He's a pain taker If you feel lost He's a way maker If you need freedom for saving He's a prison shaking savior If you got chains He's a chain breaker search for the light of day in the dead of night we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight we've all run to things we know that just ain't right when there's a better life there's a better life if you got pain he's a pain taker if you feel a way maker if you need freedom for saving he's a prison shaking savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker if you believe it if you receive it if you can feel it somebody testify come on if you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify, testify. If you believe it, if you receive it, if you can feel it, somebody testify. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way He's a chain breaker. If you need freedom for saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, well, he's a chain breaker.
like a vow that is tested, like a covenant of old. Your love is enduring through the winter rain and beyond the horizon with mercy for today. And faithful you have been, and faithful you will be. You pledge yourself to me. Why I sing your praise will ever be on my lips, never be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, never be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, never be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, never be on my
Good morning. Can I just say that I turned around for one second and I saw a party in the back happening. Can I just get a shout out to those of you up in the balcony? It's awesome. It's great. We're just really excited that you're here. It means the absolute world to us because you are important to God. You're important to us. And isn't it cool when we can sing the truth about who Jesus is? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So I just want to highlight a few things. So if you're new, would you pass the friendship folders? Or if you've been here a thousand times, pass the friendship folders. But if you're new, I want, to, I want to talk to you for just a second. If you're brand new with us, we would love to know your story. We'd love to just, just talk with you for just a couple minutes and just find out even what brought you here or you know, what your 144 hours have been because the time between Sunday and Saturday is about 100, is 144 hours. And we want to know your story. We want to know what's going on, how we can serve you and your family. And so if you would stop by the Welcome Center as you leave, we have something free, which is great, right? Free is good. Does anybody like free stuff? Maybe a few of you. Okay, that's right. A couple in the back. All right. So I just want to say we want to connect with you. I want to give you something free and just connect with you and uh, get you connected here. And so for those of you who... Um, are kind of wanting to take that next step and ask questions, figure out, you know, what's our mission, vision, and values here at Crossroads? We have the Next Steps class, which is today at 12.15. And those of you going, man, I forgot. It's okay. Rest assured. We are going, we're going to keep these on a rolling basis. And so we'll, if today didn't work, we're going to have more to come. And so we'll keep you posted on that. One more thing to highlight. When I was not on staff, I got to go to this really cool thing that our children's ministry put on. It's called the, the Egg Drop, right? Anybody go that last year? A couple, few of you? Yeah, that was pretty cool, right? So this year we're taking a little bit of a different spin on it, and we're going to do the Extreme Egg Hunt Challenge, maybe one of these, or the, it's in Arch, so it's a new, it's a new month, but uh, it's in Mar- on March 24th, and it's going to be here, and it's going to be kind of like Ninja, like Extreme Ninja Warrior, just Egg Hunt Challenge, and so thus the uh, Ninja-styled egg, so we're excited about that. But that's on March 24th, details are coming. Uh, but this is for our community. So as, as a church, we are for our community. We want to reach into our communities. And so this is a great opportunity to invite somebody and invite 10, invite 100 people just to come and participate. It's going to be a really great opportunity to just connect people and make sure they know church isn't scary. And so we're excited about that. Um, before we jump into the next thing, I just want to point us to uh, a verse in Scripture. So 1 Chronicles 29, 13-14 says this, O oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name! Exclamation point. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? It's a question. It says, everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. So as the ushers come forward for our morning offering, just, just think on that, on that passage. Everything that we have the opportunity to give now has come from God first. And so just as like a moment to just go, okay, like sometimes like why do we do this whole offering thing? This is just a moment to reflect on what it's all about is God gives to us so generously and we give back. And so if you're brand new with us, feel free to let the plate pass. This is for those who are regular in the grace of giving. You're absolutely welcome to participate. Would you join me in prayer? God, we love you and we thank you for the truth that it wasn't, our story of faith isn't about how we climbed the ladder to you or about how we did all these great things, God. It is a story about how you came to us. And God, no matter how we look at our lives, from top to bottom, to side to side, no matter what angle we look at our lives, God, at the end of the day, we know that we need Jesus. 
And so, God, that's the truth that we just get on the table, God, that we need you. And, Lord, we need you every day, every minute, every hour. And so, God, we just thank you so much for the truth, Lord, knowing that everything that we have the opportunity to give now, God, has come from you first. And so, God, now we give out of that heart of humility and sacrifice to your kingdom work to see more and more people come to know you through your son, Jesus Christ. God, we pray that those people who are sitting just, just listening now, God, we know you're working. And so we pray that people will come to know you this morning, um, even as we just sit here. God, that people would encounter you in a fresh way this morning. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
continue on our series, The Last Words, uh, Last Words of a Dying Man, of Jesus, as he was coming to pay for the sin of mankind, as he was coming to pay for your sin, we see the last words of Jesus. And as we look here, we see the last six hours, there were several things that he said. And uh, while, while we're looking at the last six hours, I want, want to remind you, after he rose from the grave, there were even more words that he gave us, and, and we'll get to those coming up here. But this series is on the last six words as Jesus was dying, as he was paying for your sin on the cross that day. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to continue to dig in to what did Jesus say. Because uh, of all the people in the world, the most important words are going to come from Jesus. And as we're studying, studying this and we're looking at it, we, we see what is really the heart and the passion of Jesus. We see the mission of Jesus come out in, in his last words. Last week we looked at, uh, at his, the first of the, la- of the last words was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And so uh, really that was a prayer for those people that were there. It was a prayer for the thieves. It was a prayer for, for you and I. It was a prayer for all of mankind. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And so today we're going to look at what the thieves did and how the thieves responded to Jesus on the cross. Uh, we're, we're going to look at that, and as we see this next word that Jesus gives, we're going to see the, the what, the how, and the when of salvation. And as we look at the what, the when, and the how of salvation, I want you to ask yourself, what must I know to be saved? Uh, there, there's certain things that the criminals knew. Uh, the, the, the one pr- criminal in particular, and we're going to look at what the one criminal knew, and it's something that you need to know. You need to pay attention because you say, wow, how can I learn from that? There's quite a few things that he knew. And even though he was a criminal, there was a, a childlike faith that he had. And on the cross, Jesus brings him to himself. We're going to look at the how. How can I know for certain that I'm saved? Uh, you know, I want you to walk out this door today to know for certain, to know 100% sure that you are going to heaven, that you have eternal life, that you have a relationship with God. And then we're going to talk about the when and the where. How can I know? And not only how can I know, but when and where can I do this? How does this happen? Um, so today we want, we're going to settle the issue of, of the issue of eternity, and I, and I hope that you will settle that issue in your heart today, because Jesus settled it for a, for a criminal, for the thief on the cross, and I know that He wants to settle it for you too. And uh, as we look at this this morning, um, we're going to see that there are five things that that this criminal knew. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 23, uh, beginning in verse 35, and we'll have it up on the screen as well. Uh, Luke 23, 35, the crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. Uh, He said, save others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. And then the soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. Verse 39, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. Uh, Literally, it's blasphemed. He, He blasphemes the name of God here. He says, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. So he, he mocks him. So I want you to catch the picture because uh, the crucifixion was not a place where you put good moral citizens. The crucifixion was the, the worst of society. So here is Jesus, and he, prophecy is being fulfilled. The, uh, the prophet Isaiah, as we looked at last week, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, I believe it was, said that the Messiah would be, uh, uh, you'll recognize the Messiah for he will die among 
uh, among sinners, all right, among thieves, all right? And so here we have Jesus. He is dying. He's on the middle. So here's, here's a criminal out on the, on the cross on one side. And this criminal, particular criminal, he hurls an insult to Jesus. You think you're the Messiah? So if you are, save yourself and us while you're at it. And so he's mocking him. But on the other side of Jesus was another criminal. And in verse 40, we see how he responds. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die? So, so, so here's, here's one, one comment hurled towards Jesus. The other comment is a response, and he responds back to across these crosses. He's like, what is wrong with you, man? We're, this is the end. Don't you even fear when you have been sentenced to die? Verse 41, we deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know, when Jesus looked at that, at that criminal, he told him that you can be assured. That's a powerful word. You can know for certain. I assure you, you can count on it. This is the truth. I'm telling you, you will be with me in paradise today. And so as we look there, here was a criminal. And this criminal was not probably highly educated guy. He was probably not a guy who knew a whole lot of things. But there was a few things that he did know. And we're going to look at five things that he knew this morning about the Messiah, about himself. And as, as we're going through this, the, I believe that these are five crucial things that you need to know as well. Because as we look and we understand, what did this thief know? And, and, and how does that help? What, what's he know about getting to heaven? It's important for you to know that this morning as well. Um, the, the first thing is, I will face God after I die. He knew that he would face God after he dies. And I want you to understand this morning that you too will face God after you die. I will face God after I die. Um, the, the scriptures tell us that um, you will go straight to the face of God. He knew that he would go straight to him. One criminal responds, <laughs> you say you're the Messiah, save us, get us off of this cross. The other responds, uh-huh, remember me. And you see, because he understood that there would be a meeting, it would be coming. Um, over in Hebrews 9.27, the scripture says that it is appointed, just as each person is destined to die once, and after that, the judgment comes. There is an appointment that you have with God. And you will not be able to change that appointment with God. You won't be able to be late for that appointment. Aren't you glad for that? You know? Uh, there's no, no being late for that appointment. You won't be able to cancel that appointment, you know? Every time I have a doctor's appointment, I like to call in and cancel, you know? There's something about going to doctors. I'm just not a fan of them. I mean, they're nice people and all. I'm just not a fan of them inspecting me, right? And uh, so it's like, you know, uh, you, you can't cancel the appointment with God. Uh, and I want you to understand that, that many people think we eat, drink, and be married for tomorrow, and we die, and this is all that we have here. And if that were the case, I wouldn't be here, and neither would you. Is a point unto man once to die and then the judgment. Then we stand before God Almighty. And I'm going to give you a little secret. The mortality rate in America is 100%. Did you catch that? The mortality rate in our world is 100%. 
every one of us, we will die. We will stand before God Almighty, and we don't know when it is going to be. And I could be going down this afternoon. You could be going down this afternoon. There could be a car accident on your way home. There could be a health crisis that you didn't know about. There could be um, uh, uh, just any number of things could happen to you. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen 20 years from now. And unfortunately, we all have this opinion that I'm going to be here 20 more years. But God says, it is a point unto man once to die, and you don't know when your appointment is. So therefore, it would be important to be ready for that appointment. Okay? Whenever I go before the Lord, I'm ready for that appointment. I've already prepared for that. I want you to prepare for that today. I want you, your heart, I want your soul to be prepared for when God says, it's time, I'm meeting with you. When God calls Ken Barner up, the, the record's been settled because of what Jesus has done on the cross. The thief on the cross, he knew that he had to deal with this because he knew that there would be life after death. And by the way, folks, death is not the end. Death is the beginning. You see, we look at death as the end of life here. And yes, this is, this is when we die on this earth. But when we go into eternity, death is that passage when we pass from this life into the next chapter of our life. When we either will spend eternity in heaven or we will spend eternity in hell. And we're turning in heaven with God Almighty and turning in hell away from God. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to get ready. Um, you know, you're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. You catch that? You're not really ready to live until you're ready to die. When you start, to, when you settle that, it changes everything about your life now. And, and unfortunately, many people think that, uh, that they're just going to continue to try and be good and, and, and work themselves towards God. Well, this man also understood the second thing in your notes there this morning. He understood that I have sinned against God. And, uh, and, and he, knew, he understood that. He knew it. In Luke 23, 41, the criminal says, we deserve to die for our, our evil deeds. He's hurling back to the, to the criminal over here. He says, if you're God, save yourself. This criminal over here says, well... We deserve to die, not this man. This man doesn't deserve it. I deserve it. So what he was doing, he was confessing his sin. And uh, in 1 John 1, 9, we're told that if we confess our sins, he, Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when, when we understand that he came to die to pay for our sin, uh, and, and we come and we confess before him. The word confess means just to say the same thing. Uh, in the Greek, it's homo legao. And homo meaning same, legao meaning word. To say the same word. So when we say confess, we are saying the same word that God says about my sin. My sin has caused me separation from God. Uh, Lord, I have done wrong. There's a holy God, there's a just God, and I have offended this holy, just God with my sin. That's what the criminal on the cross knew, and he responds in a positive way. And I, I want you to catch this this morning, because here's what happens in our life. We, we, tend, to, uh, we tend to rate people, don't we? We say we're going to rate people on a scale of 0 to 100. Now I'll just put like our little thermometer here. Because uh, a lot of times as you're thinking about life and you're thinking about goodness and badness, we, we tend to rate people, right? So as you go to, to rate people in your life, uh, you know, you, you kind of put yourself on this scale and you say that I'm better than somebody else. So I'm going to take a few people from history and we're going to put them on there. We'll start off with a bad one. You ready? Hitler. Zero, right? 
Any lower? First service, they gave me a minus 20. You guys are pretty kind, all right? So we put, we put Hitler down here, uh, you know, Hitler. And uh, Hitler's, Hitler's a bad guy. I mean, we, we all agree. We know that. He was, he was a horrible guy. He was, uh, he, he just, you know, pure evil. Uh, by the way, our heart goes out to the, to the shootings in Florida, huh? We, we're, we're just overwhelmed by, by the evilness in our world. And uh, we, want, as a church, want to continue to be in prayer for our country, be in prayer for our brothers and sisters. No doubt there were people of God in that place that are, that are going, to, they're going to stand up for Jesus now. So be, be in prayer for them. Um, Hitler, terrible. How about, uh, let's go to the other extreme, Mother Teresa. Where would Mother Teresa come at? 99? How about we'll give her a 90, all right? We'll give Mother Teresa a 90. All right? Hey, listen, Mother Teresa was incredible. You look at all that Mother Teresa did. She went out there and she, she uh, you know, feeding the poor, giving her life to feed the poor. But if you read in her own writings, some of, some of her own journals, she talked about some of her anger sometimes, some of her frustration. She talked about her own doubt. I mean, her own doubt of the whole Christianity thing. Uh, Mother Teresa, incre- incredible person. Um, how about... Um, where would I put myself on here? Pastor Ken. I should say, where would my wife put me, right? Oh, She wants me to buy her lunch, all right? Let's put me here at a 30, right? So uh, I'll put Pastor Ken right here at a 30. And, and you know, you, you rate yourself. And what happens is, as we start to rate ourselves, we start to look and say, well, here's, here's somebody always worse than me. And look at these people that are good. And we, 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 we rate ourselves. Well, let me share this. God doesn't rate on a scale of 1 to 100. There is no scale of 1 to 100. There is, there is this in James chapter 2, verse 10. He says this, and we'll put that scripture up there. He says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of the laws. If you have broken one of God's laws. So if you are at 99... You're right here at 99, right? Which I don't know anybody at 99. Most of my friends, we're here in this range. All right? Birds of a feather flock together, right? Um, so, so I don't know a whole lot of 99s, but if you're at 99, you're not 100. And God's word says this, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none that do good. There is no, none are righteous, no, not one. So what he says here when he leans over, to, when, he, uh, when he looks over to the Messiah and he says, remember me, he's saying, I have sinned against God and I understand that. You see, he knows that. He says, we, we deserve to die, not this man. And, uh, you know, heaven is a place that is perfect. Would you agree with that? Heaven is perfect. As you look through the scriptures, you see that heaven is a perfect place. And as you, as you go through there and you read the Bible, you'll see that there's a street of gold in heaven. There's no more sorrow, no more tears, no sin. No sin. So it's a perfect place. And if heaven, if God were to, to you know, heaven is a perfect place, so therefore God doesn't bring imperfection into heaven. And I have a statement up here. I just want to read it to you. If God let imperfect people into heaven, heaven would not be perfect anymore. And so I want you to think about this today because God knew that you aren't perfect. So God came up with a way to deal with your imperfection. 
So uh, just think, let's just think about heaven. If imperfect people went to heaven, if God allowed imperfect, if, if he allowed imperfection into heaven, could you imagine dealing with gossip for eternity? You think it's bad now? People talk behind my back, behind your back. Don't talk bad about me right now, right? Listen, people talk behind you. People, people got a problem with you. Imagine having that for eternity. And God says, I'm not going to let that stuff come in. I'm not going to let that corruption into my heaven. And so how does God deal with it? Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. That's separation from God forever and ever in a real place called hell. And here's what happens. God says, I am not going to let the imperfect into heaven. We are imperfect. He deals with it, though. He comes to the cross. He says, if you get what you deserve, that's your wage. That's what you earn. That's what you deserve. But God's gift, God's free gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through what Jesus did on the cross, he gives you free, free gift of eternal life. Can we give our hand, God a hand for that? Let's thank God for that this morning. You know? that's, that's what God does. He, he takes your sin and gives you life. And by him, you are declared perfect in his sight. And when you get to heaven, there'll be no more gossip, no more sin, no more sorrow. And the struggle that we deal with sin down here on earth, when we get to heaven, that will be gone because the old nature will be gone. He said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that new creature's going to be in heaven. Isn't that powerful? And I won't have to deal with the ugly parts of me. I'm going to have a full head of hair, guys. And an (laughs) eight-pack. But listen, check that out. When we get to heaven, man, God, it says this is a perfect place. And he has made, he will make us perfect. And not all, not everybody goes to heaven. This is the scary part. You see, one thief hurls insults at God. The other thief hurls humility and says, remember me. And he says, I understand, God. It's not about me. It's about you. And I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. Uh, He says, Jesus is more than just a man. That's the third thing in your notes if you're filling in the blanks on the back of the bulletin. Jesus is more than just a man. As a matter of fact, Jesus is God. And he understood that that day. He he turns to him and uh, he says, this man has done nothing wrong. We deserve to die. Verse 41, he says that we deserve to die, and this man has done nothing wrong. In, in, in the Greek, it's literally zero, zilch, zippo, nothing. Uh, this man has done zero wrong. We deserve to die. Now, let me tell you, what that criminal was saying on the cross is something that we need to be saying too. I deserve to die. This man, Jesus, did nothing wrong. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, Jesus on that cross was your substitute. You deserve to die. You deserve to be separated from God forever and ever and ever. But yet Jesus came and he took the price and paid. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He's not just a mere man. He is God. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For, there, uh, for there, is a, there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. 
He's saying that this guy is unusual. He's more than just a man. And, and Ecclesiastes has proven that. He says, because there is nobody on earth. Ecclesiastes says there is nobody who doesn't sin. This was God. God came down in the flesh and pursued you. He pursued me. 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Oh, this is so powerful, folks. Jesus came to this earth, and he says, I'm going to give you an exchange. I'm going to take your sin. Uh, God had Christ, who was sinless, take our sin, take your sin, so that you might receive God's approval through Christ. And that's what he did. It's a great exchange. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There is something very powerful that God did on the cross. It was for you. And he says, here's the exchange. The exchange is take your sin and give it to me and I give you eternal life. Wow. That's an incredible love. That's an unconditional love. There was a man, if you go home and you were to Google sometime, and, uh, you know, just talking about people on the scale. This, this guy was up there on the scale, pretty good guy. Um, his name was Norman Borlaug. If you were to Google and say, just Google, who saved the most lives? Um, and you would find out there, there's a man. He was a scientist, actually. And uh, he, he was actually awarded, uh, Norman Borlaug was actually awarded the Nobel Peace Prize, Congressional Medal of Honor, and the President's Medal of Freedom. He was an agricultural scientist, and this is what he invented, a high-yield disease-resistant crop that saved over a billion people from starvation in the 20th century. A billion people saved from starvation. The executive director of the UN World Food Bank said this, Norman Borlaug has saved more lives than any other man in history. His heart was as big, and, uh, as, big as his brilliant mind, but it was his compassion and passion that moved the world. He was a truly a great man. He was a real hero. He saved over a billion people with his inventions in agriculture. He saved them from starvation. But here's an interesting thing I want you to understand. Norman never claimed to be the savior of the world. Norman himself humbled himself. And if you go and you can research this guy, he put his trust in Christ as a little kid. And he was a member of a Bible-preaching church that taught God's Word and taught the, the very things that we're teaching here today. And he trusted Jesus as his Savior. He was a founding trustee um, for, for a Christian compassion organization known Bread of the World or Wheat for the World. And uh, he gave bread for the hungry, bread for the world, and he received his Nobel Peace Prize. When he received his Nobel Peace Prize, he quoted the Bible, specifically the chapter, uh, a, a quote from Isaiah. And so here was a guy who literally saved a billion people's lives, and he never claimed to be the Savior. He himself needed a Savior. And I share that with you because you may think, well, I'm at 30, I'm at 40, I'm at 50, I'm at 70. I'm at 80. Every human being that has ever lived needs a Savior. And there is no other human that can save you. You can't save yourself, the Scripture tells us. Only Jesus can save us. He also understood this. He understood that, that he was fallen, and we understand that about ourselves. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
the, the, the criminal on the cross, he understood that only God's grace can save me. Only God's grace can save me. Verse 42, then he said, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, there wasn't too many powerful words there. There wasn't some big fancy prayer. There wasn't some pray it like this. He called on to a Savior. And he says, simple, remember me. And what he believed there, what he understood, what he knew, he knew that this here was only God's grace could save him. He knew that, uh, that, that Jesus was more than just a man. You see, this was not just any man on the cross. This was God. Jesus is God. He knew that only the grace of that God can save him. And, and he says, Jesus, remember me today. Remember me. And so he knows that he can't save himself. He's on the cross. This criminal is being crucified, and he can't come off the cross. And, and there, this is kind of interesting because what happens there? Um, you can't compare yourself to anybody else anymore, can he? He's on the cross. He, he's on this side of Jesus, and he couldn't compare himself. He doesn't say, Jesus, I'm not as bad as the other guy on the other side of you over there. He says, we deserve to die. I deserve to die. This man's never sinned. He's God. Remember me. The humility of what this man did. He came in childlike faith. And on that cross, now check this out. At that point there, there was no time for him to get baptized. He did not get baptized. So I want you to see something because Jesus said, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Baptism is not a condition for you to go to heaven. Baptism does not get you to heaven. Baptism gets you wet, okay? I tell you that all the time. It does not get you to heaven. It gets you wet, all right? But let me say it like this. I believe that baptism is important. It's like the wedding ring, okay? I wear this wedding ring 20, almost 25 years ago. I put this ring on and I made a commitment to my wife. This wedding ring is not my marriage, This is an outward sign of what I have decided to give my life to my wife, okay? Now, every now and then, I'm allowed to take it off at night and put it on the nightstand, but it's got to go back on before I leave the house again, all right? And every now and then, I'll get up here and I'll speak, and and my wife will notice that my ring wasn't on. I mean, how can you see that far, right? She's like, she noticed my ring wasn't on. And, uh, and she'll let me have it. And she'll say, hey, where's your ring today? I was like, uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. And that's not a good answer. Don't ever say that, okay? Don't ever say that. And we go home and I'll find it and she'll hand it to me and she'll say, please put this back on. Why? It's the outward sign to the world that I belong to her. And when you get baptized, that all, that's all it is. It's an outward sign. It's the wedding ring. It's the outward sign that you belong to Jesus. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to, to uh, if you haven't been baptized, to you know, stop by the Welcome Center, give them your name and information. We will line up your baptism. It's just an outward sign of an inward decision, but it is not a condition to get to heaven. We practice it here because Jesus told us to practice it, but it is not a condition to get to heaven. And so the thief on the cross, he's there, and he says, remember me, and there's no time for him to get baptized. There's no time for him to change his ways, is there? 
He didn't have to turn over a new leaf. You know, if you go and you try to turn over a new leaf, you know, how many people have come to God? God, I promise you I'm going to be a better person tomorrow. Oh, man, don't do that to yourself because you can't promise that. Only Jesus can transform that, you see? And God didn't come to make you a better person. He didn't come to make you not bad. He came to make you spiritually alive, to give you that new nature in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, only God's grace can save me. You can't compare yourself to anybody else. He doesn't pray any big words. He just comes to Jesus in childlike faith. And God does the rest. And, you know, there are many people through the years that I know of that have had deathbed conversions. And may I challenge you not to wait? Don't wait until you think I'll have time. Because most people don't have that opportunity. Um, Don't wait till I'm ready because you'll never be ready. Come to Jesus and trust him. And and this is what the thief does. He comes to Christ and he trusts him. Uh, You know, there have been many people, I I read about a missionary that, that worked for a long time translating the Bible. He was in a jungle area and he went in, he was translating the Bible into this jungle area and he was there seven years. Seven years getting the translation, and he built friendships, and he tried to win people to Jesus. He wanted people to come to, to, to know Jesus as Savior, and in his seven years, zero people came to know Jesus. You want to talk about being depressed. Man, he gave seven years. He had not one person who was in his church. Be like me coming up here and just for seven years, and, and nobody gets excited about it, right? And so here he was, seven years, not one person came. And so as he's getting ready to leave the jungle area, he, he's uh, this remote area, he's, uh, he, he, he gets word that one of the guys that he was close with has a heart attack. His name was Jose. So he goes over to Jose, and he says, man, this guy, and they heard it is pretty bad, so he wants to share with him about Jesus, so he goes in and he says, hey, Jose, let me tell you, and, and, and the guy's had a pretty serious heart attack. He can't even really deal with it. He can't even talk very much. So he says, do you understand about Jesus? Do you understand about your sin? And the man replies, yes. Do, do you know about Jesus? Can I tell you a little bit more about Jesus? And he proceeds and he goes point by point and tells him, and the man just kept saying, yes, yes, yes. And he says, I want, you to, I want you to trust him. And the man just says, yes, and that's about all he can do. And then he kind of just slips out into a coma. And so the missionary left. He was kind of depressed because he's like, man, for seven years, and then the guy I finally get to talk to, all he can say is yes, and he's going to die. He's going to be gone. And I'm just like, wow, what is happening here today? And so as he, as he leaves, he goes on about his life, what to the next thing that God calls him to. And the man decides several years to pay another visit back to that area, to that remote area. And he comes back to that remote area to meet up with those folks in there, and he finds that there was a little church there. And there were 65 people who come to know Jesus in that place. And you know what happened? He went in, he said, he said hey, can you tell me what happened? How, how is there 65 converts here? I was here seven years, there was not one. Who, who was the missionary? I'd like to meet that guy. How did he break the walls down? And they said, no, 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 it was your friend Jose. You told him about Jesus, and he survived. He lived. And he came, and he told us all about Jesus. And now there's 65 of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, all right? You just don't know what God is going to do. It's childlike faith. Can we give our God a hand for that? Childlike faith this morning, right? Do you understand what happened on the, the thief on the cross? God offered forgiveness. He offers salvation for all. 
One thief hurls an insult. The other one says, remember me. It's a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. The only way you get to experience the gift is to open it. And so today you have to trust Christ and receive his free gift of eternal life. It's that simple. You see, many people want to make life down to this. And as you look at the chart there, the, the, the 100, 0 to 100, we try to boil life down to what, what am I going to do to gain me favor with God? Well, God has, this is what Jesus did. Jesus says, it's not about what you're going to do. It's about what I have done for you. What has God done for you on the cross? He did it all. It's done. It's finished. And so your good works are as filthy rags. Uh, Roman, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that for by grace, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It's a gift. You've got to open it. And that gift is, 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 is not of works. So you can't, you, you don't work and earn earn God's grace. You see, grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. You don't get it because of something that you have done. Grace is unmerited favor, and it is favor from God because of who he is, not because of who you are. And God says, okay, heaven's a place for perfect people. I want you there. He gives you his perfection. He gives you his righteousness. When you open your heart and trust Christ as your Savior. It is, he did that so that no one can boast. You see, nobody will be in heaven claiming, there's no claiming rights to heaven outside of Jesus. That's why the apostle Paul said, I only glory in the cross. The last thing that the criminal knew on the cross, he knew that Jesus will save me if I ask. Jesus will save me if I ask. The one hurls insults, the other hurls humility. The other cries out in a desperation, Lord, save me. Remember me today. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And, and he doesn't, he, he can't, he didn't ask God to take away his pain. He didn't ask God to take him off the cross. He didn't ask God for healing. He didn't ask God for anything but remember me in your kingdom. And Jesus can do what he can do. And look what Jesus responds. Jesus says, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. How can I know for sure that I'm saved? How can I know for sure that I'm going to heaven? It's not based on a feeling, folks. You know, when you come to church, you get a good feeling, and I hope you do leave here feeling well, um, because we want to encourage you in the things of God and who Jesus is. But knowing for sure that you're going to heaven is not based upon a feeling. You can get feelings from all kind of crazy things out there. Uh, you can get feelings from a burrito, all right? Just the way it is. Those are not good feelings either, are they, right? Um, you know, you can get good feelings from a song on the radio. I can fire you up, get you all excited. It's not feelings. It is facts. And the fact is that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin. And Jesus, you can rely on this. Now, Jesus said, I assure you, I tell you the truth. You, today, you will be with me in paradise. And there's four things about that statement. Now, check this out. His, his last words, he says, I assure you, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Look at what he tells us about God's gift. Here it is. First of all, God's gift is immediate. 
it's immediate. He tells the thief, today. Today. When you come to Christ, it's today. He gives you eternal life. It starts today. It doesn't start tomorrow. And for the thief, and yeah, while the thief was dying, he's telling him today, I want you to take the application that today, when you trust Christ, when you... When you humble yourself to a Savior, to the Almighty God of the universe, and you say, God, I don't have anyth- anything good to offer you, but I give you, my eternal, I give you my soul, and I ask you to save me, Lord. That's when God says, today. Today you're my child. He doesn't wait for you to become a good person. As a matter of fact, your good doesn't get it. It's on the do. He says, I've done it all, and I have paid the price for you to have eternal life. Uh, It's immediate. The second thing is that it is certain. He says, you will. Today, you will be. Do you understand? He says, "This, this is for certain. This is not something that you hope for. Folks, I don't hope I'm going to heaven. I know that I'm going to heaven, and I want you to know that you're going to heaven too based upon what Jesus said in his word. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. He continues on, and he says this is a relationship. He says, not only is it today, not only is it you will, it is you will be with me. You will be with me. See, there's a relationship, and you enter into a relationship with the God Almighty, the King of the universe. Uh, it's, salvation is not rules, it's not rituals. You don't get to heaven by following a bunch of rules, by being a good person, by saying hi to your neighbor. That's what, that's what people who've been transformed do. But that transformation is not what gets you into heaven. Relationship is being with Jesus, it's being with God. He says, you will be with me. It's immediate, it's certain, it's a relationship, and it's forever. It's a place forever. He holds you in the palm of his hands forever. And I find it interesting because this, this, like I said, the thief could do, he had no chance to go out and change his ways. He had no chance to, to make amends. He had no chance to show a new change. God says, today you will be with me in paradise. And I want to extend that offer of God's salvation. So what did the, what did the thief believe? We see that. That's the what of salvation. You've got to come to that. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that this Jesus is more than God. The only hope I have is in Jesus Christ. The how... The how, how do we know? It's because of what Jesus said. It is today, it is certain. And then the when, the when, when do you come to Christ? Now. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 2 says, this is the hour to receive God's favor. Today is the day. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Do you realize that you will never be ready if you say, I will do that when I'm ready? You will always have an excuse and you'll never be ready. You have an option today. You can you cannot decide. You can walk away and say, I'm not going to decide to follow Jesus. I'm not going to I'm not going to call on him and ask him to remember me. And by doing that, you're deciding no. See, to not decide is a decide no. That's a decision no. Well, God wants you to today not throw insults at him. And when we walk away from him, and that's an insult to God. He wants you to humble yourself and respond to him. You see, the thief over here, he was dying in the same boat. And he hurls an insult. And that's what we do when we come to God and we say, God, you know, I've been going to church 20 years. God, I've given my money to feed the poor. I've done all these things, and we give God our righteousness. You see, that's an insult because he's paying for it. 
He's on the cross paying for it. So you have an option. You can insult him with your righteousness by just trying harder, right? Well, God says, you don't have to try harder. I paid the price for you once for all forever. You can be like the other thief who says, remember me. Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. Whoever, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Today, the offer is there for you. Whether you've been in church since you've been six or you're 66, God says, today is the day of salvation. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Powerful words from our master. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'm inviting you to Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to open your heart to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's not something that anybody can see. There's no magic prayer. It is your heart reaching out to God. And just like the criminal on the cross, he turns over to Jesus and he says, you don't deserve to be here. I deserve to die. You're my substitute. Will you remember me? Today, in the quietness of this moment, I'm going to ask you to call on God. And will you respond? Maybe you're saying, Pastor Ken, it's making sense today. God's, God's speaking to me. God, God just, God's been knocking at my heart, heart this past half hour. I want to respond. I want to do, I want it now, just like you said in the Scripture. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you to just pray quietly where you're at. Just pray similar to, the, to that criminal on the cross. Just tell God something like this. Just tell him, say, dear God, remember me. Remember me in your kingdom. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I know I can't earn your favor. But you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again. And I'm accepting your favor today. I'm accepting your forgiveness. I invite you into my life. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you just pray along with me, God's been talking to you. I'd like to just remember you in a closing prayer. Would you, would you just slip your hand up and down and I'll pray for you. You don't, have to, you don't have to, God bless you. Are there others? Just raise your hand up and down. God bless you. Are there others? All over this place. God's been moving. God is moving in your heart this morning. Let's, let's go to the Lord and respond to him. And maybe for others, you, you've, been, you've been trying to follow God, but you've gone down the do list. You're trying to pile up your good. Can you surrender? Would you, are you willing to surrender again to Jesus this morning? And say, God, I, I want to come back. I want to have that faith like the criminal did. Not, not faith in what I've done, not faith in my baptisms and all these things that I can do, but I want to have faith in you. I need you to transform my heart, Lord. Would you talk to him right now? God, I thank you for your people. What a privilege it is to, to sit here before your people, Lord, and encourage them. 
Thank you for the powerful words we see here in, in your word. Thank you for the message of salvation. God, it never gets old. It never gets old when we hear your work on the cross because I need you every day of my life. Lord, I pray for those in here that have just opened their heart to Christ. Lord, some raised their hand. Others were not able to raise their hand. They're fearful to do it. God, I pray that you'll be with them now as they accept your love and forgiveness, as they start this new journey, Lord. God, I just pray that as, as you take our church and lead us, God, you're leading us to the cross. Father, for, for those in here this morning that have been following you for some time, Lord, maybe some are struggling struggling with just trying to do and they're overwhelmed with trying to do God may they find your grace this morning and start at the cross and let you do the transformation let you do the work God it's not for us to come and do it you've already done it and so Lord we rely on you to transform us because you're following you you've given us the ways to walk we thank you Lord and I pray you'll be with each person as we digest what you have said to us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Do so. Let's go to the Lord. Just greet each other as you leave. Be careful and enjoy your week. We'll see you next Sunday.